Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to open up in prayer and then we're going to get right into the word. Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for your presence, that your presence is real, God. We thank you that your name is the breath of life. And Father, right now we just breathe you in. We just breathe you in. We just breathe in your Holy Spirit, the ruach, the breath of God. We thank you, Father, that you are our existence itself. And Father, your word is life. Your word gives us life. And so, Father, I surrender my my mind, body and spirit right now into your hands and I ask you to use me as an instrument for your glory. And Father, that every person that is listening to the sound of my voice or even watching me right now, God, as they hear your word, as they hear you speak your word to them, God, that it would be good seed, the seed of life will be planted deep into their hearts. And that they would begin to, Lord, receive that there would be a, a germination of your seed, germination of the life seed, your word in them, God. And ask for the Holy Spirit to rest upon each and every person right now, Lord. That as I speak your word, that miracles will begin to take place, healings will begin to take place in people's bodies. And right now, Lord, I just release your life into every single person hearing your word in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen. I want you to open your Bibles to Psalm 23. David is really um, communicating God's heart for him and God's heart for us through this psalm. And I want to read from verse 1 onwards. And he says here, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is such a powerful psalm. This is such a comprehensive psalm. And I really believe that David is communicating the Lord's heart for us, for for him, but also the Lord's heart for us today, that the Lord is our shepherd. And when the Lord is our shepherd, we really have no wants. He provides all our wants and our needs and our desires. Um, he completely satisfies us. He, he, he makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because the Lord is with me. This is such a powerful statement. There's a difference between living in the comfort of the green, green grass of home and walking through the valley of the shadow of death. 
There's a path that God takes us on in the new covenant. There's a path. We are called the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And when we're on this path of righteousness, this path of righteousness is not only where the grass is green, when life is really good, but also this path takes us to the valley of the shadow of death. When David was talking about the psalm, he was acknowledging that the Lord was his shepherd and the Lord was with him throughout his life. He was acknowledging that when, when, when God was with him, life was okay and life was really good and his soul was completely restored. But there was also a time and a season in his life when the Lord was leading him and it felt like the valley of the shadow of death. And in David is trying to say to us that whether there's ups or downs in life, whether there's mountaintops or valleys, there's one thing that remains constant. And that constant in our life is the presence of God. So the title of my message today is The Purpose of God's Presence. Sometimes in our life we think that, that when God's presence is with us that everything is okay. And that we don't go through trials and tests and obstacles uh, in our life. But on the contrary, we, there are days that we do go through trials. We face trials. We face testing. We face obstacles in our life. And it is the evidence that God is with us. It is foolish to think that God, when you give your life to Jesus and, and, and you, become, you enter into the kingdom of God, that you don't face trials. If you think that you, don't, you will never face trials, ask Jesus. When the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, when he was baptized, the first thing that the Holy Spirit did was that he led him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. I mean, to just to think about that. It's crazy that God himself will take you through temptation. He will take you to be tempted by the devil. God doesn't tempt us, the devil tempts us. So God takes us into a wilderness experience so that we could be tempted and overcome temptation. And I truly believe that when this valley, when this path of righteousness that God takes us on, he takes us through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not, it's not death in itself, but it's a shadow of death. And, and the reason why he takes us to this shadow, to, to this valley of the shadow of death is because he is teaching us that before we overcome our enemy, we need to overcome the shadow of our enemy. This is a powerful word. We need to learn to overcome the shadow of death before we overcome death. And Contrary to the, to, the, to the reports that we might believe, uh, in, in, uh, that, that you know, this season that we're living in, is a, we, we are experiencing a valley moment. We're experiencing a season of the valley. And contrary to, to what people might believe, contrary to what Christians might think, I do believe that this epidemic that has hit the earth, that, that this valley that the church is in, this valley that people are in, is not because of the sin that exists in the world. It is because the Lord is with us. It is actually evidence that God's presence is with us. I really believe that we're living in a time and season where the glory of God is, is, is shining the brightest on the earth. I believe that the presence of God, people are experiencing God's presence, God's glory, God's anointing. People are experiencing miracle signs and wonders in their life. In fact, our church is constantly booming with, with, with testimonies of God being present in, in, our, in our lives. So we can't say 
that, oh, because the sin exists in the world, that's why the virus has come. And now, you know, it, it, the virus is attacking because it's a, God is punishing the earth. I don't believe that. And I believe that, that God is with his people. And when he's with his people, yes, we went through a season where everything was good. But now while we're going through the valley of the shadow of death, this virus is just the shadow of death. It is just fear and anxiety. It comes to, to position itself in such a way that it causes you to fear and, and be anxious for nothing. And when it does that, it causes you to slow down in the valley. See, we're meant to walk through the valley not park in the valley. We're not meant to buy a house in the valley. We're not meant to buy cars and settle down and open bank accounts in the valley. No, we're meant to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Why? It's because you must understand when there's a bigger light in front of something very small, the shadow of that something small looks very big. In the valley, when, when we're in the valley of the shadow of death, death is such a small enemy that is sitting for us in another location. But because the Lord has gone ahead of us in the season, now we're walking on this path of righteousness and the enemy, his, beginning to, his shadow is beginning to come upon the earth. His shadow is beginning to come upon uh, our lives uh, around us and it's causing us to look at the shadow. And every time we look at the shadow, it will cause us to be distracted and it will cause us to be impressed by the shadow of the enemy and not the enemy itself. I mean, this is a phenomenal tactic that the enemy has he will cause fear to enter into your life by only revealing his shadow but there comes a moment in time where Christians understand that hey listen God hasn't left me in this season God hasn't betrayed me God has he's not punishing me God is not God God is not saying okay the big bad world now is so full of sin and now it's time for a virus to attack the earth so that people will know that I am God I want to tell you something the Bible says that it is the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance. It is not the judgment. It is not the punishment. It is not the wrath that leads a man to repentance. It's the goodness of God. So in a season when we think that everything is turning around, everything is in turmoil, I want to encourage you that the God's presence has never left you. God's presence is with you. It's just that you allowed yourself to get distracted by the shadow of the enemy. You got, a, you got distracted by the shadows. But, but David is encouraging us to fix our eyes upon him. He's fixed our eyes. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You are with me. When your bank account is failing, you are with me. Sounds like the economy is failing. Businesses are failing. You are with me. And there's a path that we're on. And he says, David goes on to say that you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Wow. This is, if you can track this journey from the green, green grass of home on the paths of righteousness where there's shadows all around, the enemy is waiting for you at the table. He's waiting for you at the table. Why? It's because where God's presence is, there are no shadows. 
There are no shadows where God is present. And so now he's brought you through the valley of the shadow of death. And now as you fixed your eyes on Jesus in this season, he's he's bringing you out of that valley to a table that he has prepared for you. He's prepared a table for you. This is, ladies and gentlemen, this is the promised land. This is the moment where your promises that God has given you has, is beginning to manifest in your life. It's beginning, to, it's beginning to unfold. The plans of God are beginning to unfold now. You're beginning to see it clearly. And this is the moment he unfolds the manifestation of your blessing in the midst, in the presence of your enemies. And the Bible says for us as Christians, the Bible says the last enemy is death. And it's in the valley or the shadow of death. At the end of that valley, he's prepared a table for us. In the presence of death, God has presented us with an option. You can choose today to have God sitting at your table, or you can have your enemy sitting at your table. This is such a phenomenal concept. You can, if you got impressed with the shadows while you were walking on the path of righteousness, you got impressed by the world and the bad news and, the, and all the fake news and this news and you got completely tossed and turned around by the enemy while you're walking to this table. You will reach the table for sure, but you will know your enemy more than you will know your God. This is a powerful word. And so he's saying, hey man, you know, just stick your eyes on Jesus. Just stay on Jesus. Because when you keep your eyes on Jesus, you will know him at the table. And that's the one that you need to have at the table. And, but there is a purpose to the valley. You know, I was, uh, I was uh, just watching this um, little documentary about an eagle. Uh, and how an eagle flies uh, in a valley. And he, an eagle sits on a, uh, when, when an eagle wants to move from one level and go to the next level, he uses the valley, the valley moments to go from higher, from glory to glory. Or in, a, in, in our terms, glory to glory, strength to strength. You know, when we want to go from grace to grace, God doesn't use the good seasons. He uses the valley to take us higher. And so the eagle waits. He sits on the ledge of a mountain or a branch of a tree. And he waits for what they call thermal winds to come. And when these thermal winds come, the, the eagle begins to look for these winds. And when he, when he finds the wind is coming, he, he takes off and he doesn't flap his wings. But actually he takes off into the wind in the valley and when that when he takes off and he touches those winds he just spreads his wings and he just glides he just glides and he allows this wind to take it where it's going and most times the wind goes but he never flaps his wings. He never strives. He never struggles. In a, in a moment where the enemy is trying his hardest to come against you, you use the winds of the enemy. You use the shadow of the enemy to propel you from glory to glory, strength to strength. It, but it requires you to have courage to look at a valley, to look at the shadow of death as an opportunity 
to go from one level of glory to another. Come on, somebody. I, I, I'm, I'm, I believe right now that you are receiving fresh revelation and God is changing your mindset. He's changing your, your perspective of this season that we're living in. This, is, this season is a blessing. It's not a curse. This is the best season. But now I want to encourage you to begin to look at the wind. Wow, there's crazy turmoil happening in the world. Look at it. That is your opportune time for you to begin to fly into those winds and just glide. Just open your wings out and just begin to allow those winds to take you where it wants to go. And when, 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 when the eagle reaches the top of the wind, that's when he begins to glide and fly from one place to another place. And we must understand that God allows us to go through valley, seasons of the valley. Because he wants us to grow in strength and courage. Why does he want us to grow in strength and courage? It's because at the end of the path of righteousness, he has set a table before us. And this table is set in the presence of your enemy. But also, you're in the presence of God. And you can choose. You need courage in that moment to make a choice. Ladies and gentlemen, choice is the greatest form of worship that you can have. When you make a choice in the midst of death and destruction around, I choose you. I choose the Lord to sit at my table. Because let me tell you something. The nature of God is to bless you. He is the one who set the table for you. He is the one who prepared the table for you. All the food on the table is what he gave for you. It's for you, for you to enjoy. All the blessings that God has for you is for you to enjoy. But in that moment, God wants to see your heart. He wants to see whether you're ready to make that, that decision. Not decision to follow him, not that decision to, uh, that Jesus is Lord. No, 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 this is, this is something different. This is, this is the next level now. He's looking for you to make that decision to choose him. When everything else around you says, don't choose him. When everything else around you is, is speaking death, you choose him. Luke chapter 22, when Jesus was with his disciples just before he goes to, to be crucified, he sits at a table with his disciples. And he presents, it's a Passover meal, but he presents, he takes, takes something from the meal and he says, this is my body. This is my blood. He says, as often as you remember me, do this. What's he trying to say? You can have all this food on your table, right? You can have all this goodness. You can have the table. You can have the fellowship. You can have friends. All of that kind of stuff. All around you is death. But on this table, there's food that can give you momentary life. But there's also him that can give you everlasting life. And in that moment, you can enjoy your food for sure. But he wants to know whether the food has you or he has you. And in that moment, he, he's talking to his disciples and he says, choose me. He says, choose me. 
more than all the other foods. He says, choose me. So Paul in, in, um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul is now talking about the same thing. He's talking about communion. And he, he, he's, talk, he's saying, hey, you know, when you come together as a, as, a, as a family and you're sitting at the table, he says, examine yourself because you need to make a choice. What's that choice? You need to discern the body. You need to discern the blood. It's not just regular food. Yes, it is regular food, but discern the body that you're a part of. Discern the blood of Christ. Discern Christ. Discern the Lord. And, and David is really talking about this. He says, hey, hey, uh, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's, he's saying, you are always with me. When you are with me, you must understand Ephesians, the book of Ephesians says, says all the blessings, all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places have already been given to you. When, if, if it's been given to you, that means that God needs a person to steward those blessings. Those blessings are as eternal as God is. We must understand that every blessing that comes from God carries the nature of God to be eternal. So God needs a person on the earth who can be eternal while living on the earth so that we can steward the blessings, the eternal blessings that God has for the earth. And so I really believe that, that this psalm is a phenomenal psalm that God is revealing to us that it's really not about the green, green grass of home. It's not really not about those, those still moments beside the brook. It's not about those moments where he restores your soul. It is good, but it is just foundation. But once you finish with that place, he takes you on a path of righteousness. When you're on that path of righteousness, the shadow is all around you. If you get impressed with the shadow, then you get impressed with the one who owns the shadow. <laughs> and then when the time comes and you're at the table, he, he's prepared that table for you now. And he's sitting at the table and he, there's food all around you. But there's also death all around you. The enemy, final, the final enemy is death. And it's all around you. And he's looking to see whether you will choose him or you will choose the delicacies that are in front of you. Or you'll choose the promised land that is in front of you. And I want to I wanna encourage you today that God has given us a choice to choose between him or the enemy. Between him and the blessing that he gave you. He prepared the table. Is the table so much more important to you than the one who made the table for you? Is the blessing so much more important than the blesser? And in this moment, if you make the choice to choose him as the one who completely satisfies you, as the one who completes you, as the source of life itself, then he sustains the table for eternity. Oh, come on. He not only sustains the table, but he also sustains your body for eternity. He also sustains your life for eternity. This is the blessing that comes when you choose God above everything else. The purpose of God's presence is that it gives life. Every time you're doing something, every time you're, you've received a promise, a promise has manifested in your life, you're always given a choice. To choose him or the blessing. 
or choose the enemy to sit at the table. If you choose him, then he blesses your table. Their food will never run out. In fact, right now I'm seeing people's barns, people making the choices, the people choosing God to sit at the table, people choosing God at their businesses, God at their workplace. And every time they make that choice, now God begins to multiply everything. God multiplies your finances. God multiplies your food. God multiplies your life. He begins to multiply it, right? So let's go to um, Matthew chapter 22. And uh, we'll read from verse 36 onwards. So this is the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees had come together and one of them, which is a lawyer, asked him this question, testing Jesus. Okay, Teacher, this is verse 36. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Okay, 37, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. Okay? Now, I just I know uh, the second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. But I really want to stay on this one commandment right now. Because to me, you know, every time Jesus quotes scripture, I want to know why he quoted that scripture? What is the context of that scripture in the Old Testament? So he's quoting two scribes and Pharisees who are asking him. They're testing him now. Uh, you know, uh, who? Uh, what is the? What is the? What is the great commandment that that God has given to us? And then he says, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind." Right. So he and he says, "This is the first and the great commandment." Okay. So he. He's, he's quoting the scripture actually from Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 6. Okay, so if you can go to Deuteronomy, it's something good. And verse 6, he says this, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. Okay, I'm going to read that again. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. Come on now. I'm going to say that verse one more time. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. This is very powerful. God's desire for you and I is to live. So Jesus, they're asking Jesus, they're testing him. Jesus, which is the great commandment? So Jesus is saying, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Why? It's because when you obey that commandment, you live. Come on now. When you obey that commandment, when you allow that command to fill into your mind, to get into your mind, and you, shall, and you begin to do it, that's when you live. 
This is phenomenal. So the purpose of God, the purpose of God's presence, his presence in your life is so that you should live. Come on, this is powerful. Um, so, so he's saying now, he goes on to talk. Now, this is the context of, of really what I want to go into. I want to go a little more deeper into this subject, right? So Deuteronomy 30, let's, I want you to go to verse 11. Okay, and we'll read from verse 11. This is very, very powerful. And it says this, For this commandment, okay, which commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, so that you should live, right? For this commandment, which I command you today, is not too mysterious for you, nor is it too far away. Brilliant. He's saying, hey, this commandment is super plain. Okay. It's not like, wow, you know, I need to be a mystic in order for me to get this. I need to be like super wow, zapped. I need to be in space and or in meditating in the mountains for me to get it. No, no. You can be here and you, it's pretty simple. All you need is you need to, he, you need to allow the Lord to circumcise your heart. Right. And then when you, when you listen, parents, when God circumcises your heart, he also circumcises your descendant's heart. Come on, this is powerful. So, so which means you don't have to worry about your children because God is just focused on your heart first. When, he, when you allow him to circumcise your heart, what that means is in the valley of the shadow of death, you're using the valley to circumcise your heart so that you're not distracted by the shadows. Why? Is because your eyes are fixed on loving the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, and you're following him. God's desire is for people to love him, and for him, for us to experience the blessing that comes from loving God and God loving us, right? So, saying it's not too mysterious, very simple, easy, easy. You don't need qualification or school or Bible college to, to obey the Lord, okay? So he's saying it's very easy. Now, verse 12, he's saying this command <laughs> is not in heaven, that you should say, who will ascend into the heavens for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Okay? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should go, uh, that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Ah, this is powerful. Verse 14. But the word, come on, the word is near you the word is very near you it is in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it this is powerful this is absolutely powerful when god when you allow god to circumcise your heart he he, he, there is a purity in your relationship with God. There's a purity in your love for him. You're not, you're not loving him because you want something. You're loving him because you love him. You want him. Not even because you want, him, want to live a long life. You just want him. And that's what he's trying to say. Just allow me to circumcise your heart. Circumcise your heart so I can remove unwanted things in your life, unnecessary things in your life, unnecessary distractions. Let me remove that out of your life so that the love relationship that you and I have is pure, right? And he's saying this command, it's not too far away. It's not too mysterious. You can get it, all right? And then he says the word, which means the presence 
of God. Jesus says, my word is spirit and it is life, right? So here we have the word. When we hear the word, though this word, word in the Bible, it, it, it means that the, it, it is the Lord your God. He's the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. He's talking about that. The word is very near you. When your heart is circumcised, the word is near you. It is in your mouth to speak. It is in your heart that you may do it. God is looking for a group of people who will actually obey him because they love him. God is looking for a group of people who will not run after him because they want a blessing. They will not run after him because they want long life. Those are just rewards of just pursuing his presence. Those are just rewards of, of just pursuing him. But he's trying to say he's looking for people who have the courage and the strength that while you're in the midst of your enemy, while you're in the midst of destruction, while you're in the midst of the darkest season of your life, God is looking for people who will obey him because they love him. And I want to show this to you in, in the story of Moses and Joshua right now. There was a moment in, in, when, when God comes to jo- Moses at the end of his life and he says, Brother Moses, you know, it's time for you to go to your fathers. It's time for you to go and sleep with your fathers because, um, because you will not be able to see the promised land. You will be able to see, but you'll not be able to enter the promised land. And he gives him the reason why. And he, he says, Moses, you remember that time? I'm, I'm, please, I'm paraphrasing it, okay? Uh, because I'm a storyteller. So he said, Moses, you remember that time when I told you? To go and speak to the rock. And you disobeyed me. You went and hit the rock. So the story is like this. That, the, that three million people. Now please listen to me. This is the valley of the shadow of death. Three million voices are coming to one man. And they're telling this one man. That they're frustrated with a God. That he's following. With a God that he loves. This God that rescued them. And brought them out of slavery. But they're going through the valley of the shadow of death. But they're, they're frustrated with this God. And they're coming to Moses and saying, Man, we don't have water to drink. And they're frustrated with him. And so Moses goes before God. and he did, Moses and Aaron go before God. And they prostrate themselves before him. And God says, Okay, Moses, I'm going to give them water. But I want you to go to this rock. And I want you to speak to the rock. And water will come out. You must understand, Moses has done this miracle before. And so because he is so frustrated with the people, he's so angered by the people that he hits the rock twice. See, to, to us, the miracle happened. That's, that's about it. You know, to, to us, it's like, okay, we got water. Okay, praise the Lord, hallelujah, we got water. Don't, don't worry about what, what happened to Moses. But you must understand, God took notice of it because he was supposed to do what God asked him to do but he reacted in a way because he was listening to the shadows he was listening to the voices of the people and sometimes we have good responses to people sometimes we respond in anger but God watches it because he's looking for you to constantly respond to him he's looking for people who will constantly if God says give 100 dirhams away give 100 dirhams away and But you're giving those hundred dirhams away because you love the Lord. 
Not because somebody needs money. Oh, come on. So many times we are motivated by, by, the, by people's uh, you know, need. We are motivated by, by people's anger and, and the, the frustration and the darkness in the society and, and, and the community. And we want to do something for people. But see, you're not understanding what God is saying. God is saying, if I've asked you to do something, do it because you love me. Not do it because you're so moved in your heart by their need. See, that is living by faith in God's word. And so Moses did not get to reach the table. He saw the table, but he did not get to sit at the table. So God had to choose somebody else. You must understand, when, when God did a miracle with Moses, he, when, when he parted the Red Sea, he, 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 they came to the, to the banks of the water and Moses touched the water and God parted the Red Sea. You must understand that God did that and then the people walked through it. But when they walked through it, Moses knew God. But the people never knew God, even though they walked through the water or even though they walked through the, the Red Sea onto the other side, they never got to know their God. But see, when, when God chose Joshua, because Joshua was the one who remained in the presence of God when Moses left, God chose Joshua. If you read through uh, Joshua chapter 1, we see that God is communicating to Joshua. And he's, he's saying, Joshua, and I want to I read from verse 2. He says, this is Joshua chapter 1 and verse 2. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, <laughs> to the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. Now, Listen to the promise that he gives to Joshua. He says, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. As I said to Moses. This is absolutely phenomenal. But then God goes on to say, now if you, if you read from, from Deuteronomy chapter 30 um, or all the way to Joshua 1, God is communicating through Moses and through people and to Joshua directly. Six times he tells Joshua, <laughs> be strong and of good courage. Haven't I told you be strong and of good courage? I mean, just, just imagine this guy is taking on responsibility of three million people. And he's going before God and he said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy, I'm, you chose me, okay, great, uh, I, 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 want to, I want to obey, I, I'll do whatever you say, God, I, I'm, I'm ready now, I'm ready, I'm ready. And so God says, be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Be, after the third time, I'd be like, okay, like, I get it. <laughs> I get what you're saying. But six times. And people around Joshua are coming to him and saying, Joshua, be strong, man. Or good courage. I'm thinking this is not a problem for people. This is not a problem that Joshua has with people. Like you, you must understand. If, if Joshua, uh, if you think about David, right? David uh, had crazy valley moments. One of them was Goliath, right? And when Goliath came, it was the grace of God. You must understand. It was the grace of God upon David's life that the giant was, was slain. It wasn't David's strength. I mean, he was 16 years old and he had a stone. 
I mean, uh, that stone, that pebble, well, did not, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like a fly or a mosquito on the, on the guy. And he, when he flung that stone, it, he said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. You must understand, the name of the Lord is existence itself. And so existence, life, he said, how can you threaten me when I am come on behalf of the Lord? The name of the Lord. And so he, he took a stone and the name of the Lord filled the stone and sl- slayed the giant that day. You must understand God's grace is given to us that we can overcome giants. We can overcome death. We can overcome all these things. There's not a problem for it. Why does Joshua need to be strong and courageous? Is because three million people's voices and opinion can cause one man to become fearful and weak. It's not the giants, because God gives you the grace for it. In fact, he takes out the giants. In fact, you look at, you read through Jonathan's life. Jonathan and his armor bearer went out and took out an entire army. So we're not talking about, we're not talking about incredible feats here. That happens by the grace of God. You don't need courage for it. You, you need courage when it comes to the valley of the shadow of death, when those voices are talking to you and they're putting fear in your mind and they're confusing you and they're putting doubt in your mind. It is in those moments that you need to be strong and you need to be courageous. And so God is encouraging him and saying, God tells him personally three times, be strong and courageous. And he goes and chooses one of the tribes to come along with him uh, to cross the, to, uh, to send out spies into the land. And that tribe comes to him and says, hey man, be strong and courageous. Like I would be like, I go to work and my boss is saying, be strong and courageous. I come back home, my wife is telling me, hey, be strong and courageous. I go to church and church people are telling me, be strong and courageous. It's a sign. Something is happening in my life. Why? Because God is looking for someone who will obey him in the midst of three million voices that speak against you, that speak against God. He's looking for someone who loves him so much that will defy all the voices and obey only one. The question is, are you that person? Because God is looking for you. God is looking for a leader. God is looking for someone who could lead three million people who don't recognize his voice, but you recognize his voice. And he's looking to you to be a Joshua of this generation. And you must understand when God comes to Joshua and he says, hey, every place your foot shall tread, I will give it to you. I want you to go uh, to Joshua chapter 3. And here Joshua is going before the Lord and the Lord is saying, okay, now Joshua, it's time for you to move into the promised land. It's time for you to go from the valley to the table okay and so here I want you to let's read from verse 7 all right Uh, and it says and the Lord said to Joshua this day this is the prophetic word this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses so I will be with you. This is awesome. But you shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, 
you shall stand in the Jordan. Moses stood on the banks. But here, they listen to the instruction. It's progressive. To Joshua, he says, stand in the Jordan. So Joshua now goes to the children of Israel. He says, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. Verse 10. And Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the, the Hivites and the Perizzites and all the ites. Okay, there, there's a list of ites there that the Lord was going to, um, uh, to remove. Um, and then he goes on to say this, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off the waters that come down from upstream and they shall stand as a heap. Okay, so what's happening here is that God comes to Joshua and says, hey, listen, I'm going to exalt you. Joshua goes to the people and says, hey, listen, God is going to reveal to you today that he is amongst you. It's a switch. Moses, the people never wanted to know. They was like, Moses, you just talk to God. Joshua's heart, this is, this is now, Joshua is a, is a picture or foreshadow of Jesus who comes to reveal the Father to us and this is this is us moving from the old covenant into the new covenant we're moving from the valley to the table the table is the promised land okay this is phenomenal we're, we're moving the table is also the kingdom so we must understand the promised land the table and the kingdom is all the same place okay and so now Joshua is telling the people hey today God is going to do something awesome and he's going to prove to you that he is amongst us and so now they, they put the Ark of the Covenant. Before, it was Moses that walked first and then the people. But this time, they said, okay, get the priests and put the Ark on their shoulders. And when the priest's foot touches the water, the presence of the Lord will come upon the water and it will part. See, what, what's the difference? The difference was that God did a miracle for Moses. The people never got to know him. This time, the Lord said, you take a step. <laughs> it's different in the new covenant. In the new covenant, in the kingdom, we, we live by faith and not by sight. When God gives us a word, he expects us to take the first step. He wants us to take that first step. That's why God was so impressed with Peter that he he allowed that story to remain in the Bible. We focus on Peter sinking in the water, but you don't understand what God was looking at. He was looking at a man who was willing to take that first step. He was looking at a man who loved the Lord so much that he wanted to be where he was and do what God was doing. It's such a phenomenal thing when you come around people who love the Lord so much that they're not afraid of you. They're not afraid of people. They're not afraid of man. 
They're not anxious when they come around people. We love and honor people. We, we consider people, that's for sure. But we don't fear people. We don't, fear, we don't allow fear and anxiety to rule our lives when it comes to our obedience to God. God is looking for a group of people who understand that when the, pur- the purpose of the presence of God is that God will do phenomenal miracles, but will you obey Him? Because that first step requires faith. That first step says, I choose you. Now, I want you to, uh, to go back to um, Deuteronomy chapter 30. And we had read verse 14. But I want to, I want to show you the command, the simple command that God is giving his people. Okay? <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 30. <clears throat> and we'll read from verse 15 onwards. Okay? It says this. See. He's saying, see. I have set before you today life and good. Death and evil. In that, in that, in the command, I command you. Okay? So which means he's saying, it's simple. I, I place before you life and good, death and evil. Okay? In that I command you today to love the Lord, your God, to walk in His ways and to keep His commandments, His statutes and His judgments that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. Come on now. So the promised land was not the blessing. The promised land or the table is not the final destination. It's not the final blessing. The food on the table, the provision, the money in the bank, it's not final. It's an expression of his love. But he wants you to choose between life and good, death and evil. You must understand, life is everlasting life. He wants you to choose to live And this word good over there is the word prosperity in Hebrew. So he's saying, I want you to choose life and prosperity. They come together. You can't choose life without being prosperous. Come on now. (laughs) That's why our church is called Life Church Global. And even in the darkest seasons, my God, our people are being prosperous. If you're part of our church, now would have been a, oh my, my, it would have been a great time to give Jesus a shout of praise. Absolutely, wherever you are, just give Jesus a shout of praise for being a part of Life Church Global. Come on, man. This is why God gave us this name. He's saying, choose today. I sit before you, life and prosperity, death and evil. That word evil over there is the word perish, to perish. So he's saying you can choose between life and prosperity and death and perishing. Why would you choose death and perishing? Why? I don't understand. Why would you make such a silly choice to choose death and perishing? You know why you'd make that choice? It's because on from the green, green grass all the way down the valley, the path of righteousness, you got impressed with the shadow of death. When you got impressed with the shadow of death, when you sit at the table, you only know death. And you think that that's good for you. Brother, praise the Lord, one day all of us are going to go to heaven. No, death is not the way. 
Death is not the way to heaven. Jesus is the way to the Father. Death is not the, the gate through which you pass through to, to meet the Father. Jesus is the way. And, and God is saying, listen, there's a simple command. Whether you're part of any church, whether you're, part, whether you're a Christian or not, it doesn't matter. What matters is, I want you to choose to live and be prosperous. Come on. That's absolutely awesome, right? So when you choose to live in the command, there's another command, okay? There's a, so let's say, let's say this. When you choose to live and be prosperous, right? There's a lifestyle that will come out of it, okay? So it's simple. It's five things. It's love the Lord, your God. Second, walk in His ways. Third, you keep His commandments. Fourth, you keep His statutes. And fifth, you keep His judgments. That's it. He becomes everything to you. Your mindset is, it revolves around just these five things. If you can do these five things, you're, you're, you're experiencing life and prosperity. It's just natural. It's, it's not supernatural. It's actually natural because it's here on earth. It's not even in the heavens. It's here on earth. But then you can also choose, when, if you choose death and evil or perishing, there's five things that God says will happen. Is a lifestyle. And I want every Christian now to listen to me very carefully. This is the lifestyle of people who choose death and evil. First thing, your heart turns away from God. This is here. Let me read it uh, in verse 17. Okay. He says, but if your heart turns away, so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today. God is making an announcement. Oh my goodness. That's an announcement I would like to pay attention to. <laughs> he said that you shall surely perish and that you shall not prolong your days in the land. There we go again. The land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. So here's, here's what I want to present to you today. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are going to the table. You are going to enter the promised land. You are in the kingdom for sure. But you can also die in the kingdom. You can also experience perishing in the kingdom. But you can also experience life and prosperity in the kingdom. And it all happens, it all depends on, the, on one choice that you make. He's saying either you choose life and prosperity, death and evil. And he's, he's saying this, five things. When you choose death and evil, five things. He says your heart turns away from God. Check your heart today. My wife says this all the time. Check your heart. Check your heart. The second thing. This is what Pastor John says. You do not hear from God. <laughs> That's what happens. When you choose death and evil, you're not hearing God's voice. Whose voice are you listening to? That's my second message that I preached when Life Church Global started. Whose voice are you listening to? The third thing, you're drawn away. The fourth thing is that you end up worshipping other gods. Well, you might say, well, you know, uh, I'm, I don't worship any like idols or I don't worship any, you know, I don't go to this temple or that thing. I, I don't do any of that stuff, you know. I, I don't, I am not. No, no, no. Let me tell you something. You're spending too much time on your phone. That phone has become an idol in your life. 
You're spending too much time with that girlfriend or boyfriend. That girlfriend or boyfriend has become an idol in your life. You're listening to that music all the time. Let me tell you something. Even worship music can become an idol in your life. Do you understand? Uh, you, we cannot have any other God that rules us. Your cigarettes is a God in your life. Your drugs, God in your life. Pornography is a God in your life. Why? It's because it is only God's place that, that He gives you instruction. A God will give you instruction and you without question will follow. So if you're following when your cigarette is telling you to smoke it, then that cigarette is a God in your life. And now, if, if that's the case, and the fifth thing is that you serve them. You literally serve them. How much of your day do you live? How much of your day do you spend serving God versus serving everything else? If you're, if you're serving your business and everything, your mind is only about your business and your career and your money. Welcome to the club. <laughs> you're, in, you're in club number two and a club room number two it's called death and perishing because you're involving you're, you're welcoming something at the table that not only causes your food and your blessings to perish but it also causes your body to perish and God is inviting us man into this place he's saying it's pretty it's not even in heaven that you should go up and come and bring it down so that you can do it or it's not so far away but it's actually it's near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart so that you can do it. And this is really what I wanted to present today. That every time the presence of God is with us, the purpose of the presence is to give you life. He wants to give you life. But you can say, I, I want, I, I, you know, I'm going to live and not die. And you can, you can wish for it or you can believe it. <laughs> if you believe it, when you believe it, it comes with a lifestyle. And God is presenting those facts to us. He's presenting these truths to us. Look at your life. Look at what you're doing. Look at the choices that you're making. Are you choosing God? Are you choosing life? Are you choosing to live a prosperous life? Or are you choosing death? and evil and perishing because God is asking us today this question what do you choose because your choice in this moment will determine whether you live and experience eternal blessings on the earth or you just be in the promised land but not allow what is in the promised land to be a blessing to you you must understand, the land, the promised land was full of milk and honey. But without the blessing of the Lord over your life, you will not experience milk and honey for the rest of your life. It will be just for a moment. And this is powerful. You must understand the presence of God. It causes things to last for eternity. That is so powerful. And in closing, I want to read this verse 19 to you. God says this, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And God is asking us, therefore, choose life. Choose life. 
God is asking you, choose life. Not just a church called Life Church Global. He's saying, choose to live. Choose life. When you make that choice to live, he says that both you and your descendants may live. This is so powerful. Man, it's so powerful. Parents, when you make the choice to live, your children also live. If, they, if they're not at an age of reasoning, by you making a choice to live, they are protected from every evil attack of the enemy. Come on, this is so powerful. When you make a choice to live, God protects you from every virus and he protects your children from every virus. When your children are not at an age of reasoning where they can't make choices for themselves, who's going to protect them from a virus? Let me tell you something. Your choice to live. Your choice in the presence of God. When you choose him, when you choose existence itself, it begins to bless your descendants. It is so amazing. Verse 20 says that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob to give to them. This is so powerful, man. This is absolutely powerful. God is presenting a choice today that this season is getting over. This virus valley season is getting over. And we're all coming to, to this place where now wow, jobs are coming, the salaries are, yeah, everything is getting good. And we can go to the groceries now and we can go out, hang out and meet with our friends and all of that stuff. And life is, is, is getting into a, into a better place. God is presenting the table to us and saying, are you satisfied with the table? Or are you satisfied with me? He's presenting. Are you? Are you? Do you like what I what I what I made for you? Do you like these lamb chops? Do you like these steaks that I made for you? Do you like this this um, this shawarma that I that I made for you? Do you like this this hummus and and all this pita bread and all this kind of stuff and these pickles? Do you like this table? Do you like these fruit? These vegetables? I made them with my hand for you. I was the one who gave those animals life, and I'm now cooked it for you, and I and I presented this table for you. It's like, this is, the, this is your promise now. It's come to pass. The season is over. You're sitting at the table. Ah, Lord. This is so beautiful. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can you send in a testimony to testimonies at lifechurchglobal.com? Yeah. God has done a phenomenal miracle in my life. But he's looking at that moment to see whether you choose him or what's on that table. But when you choose life, you're choosing the Lord. You're choosing the presence of God to sit at that table. Wow. So I want to welcome you right now, wherever you are, to just close your eyes. And I don't want you to picture yourself in the valley of the shadow of death. 
I want you to picture yourself in the kingdom sitting at that table. And right before you stands the Lord your God who brought you all this through your life. He brought you to this moment. He stands before you. In fact, he was the one who made the table. He was the one who laid everything that's on the table. He is the one who who he's, he's prepared that bonus that that commissions those salary increases the job that you have that's coming up for you the businesses and the increase and everything like that he's prepared everything for you and you're sitting at that table and you have a choice and there's one chair in front of you that you can share this table with who would you choose would you choose the lord your god would you choose life because there're no shadows in life oh. or would you choose the shadow of death would you choose an enemy that is defeated or would you choose a god that is victorious would you choose eternal life or would you choose perishing life because the choice that you make in this very moment sitting at this table determines whether you will experience the table and everything the blessing of that table for eternity and this is what eternal life really means and god is inviting us he's inviting us and he's saying choose life choose life choose life choose life choose life choose life not abortions choose life i'm seeing somebody right now your name is rachel and the lord is showing me that you are about to commit suicide and this is the message of hope for you this is the message god is saying hey i gave you life because i have a plan for you I'm seeing a, a a woman who just who's not married and you discovered that you're pregnant because of a lifestyle of sin. And now you're thinking of doing an abortion for that baby. I want to tell you you're a Christian and you needed to hear this message today. In fact, the pressure is coming from the from the man, but you want to keep that baby. right now choose life choose life god will supply all of your needs don't worry about what people would say because that's the valley of the shadow of death don't go back to the valley but move on take that step forward and say you know what if this child has life in my womb then i choose to be the vessel and brings it into the world. Rachel, I want to encourage you. Don't give up, sweetheart. <laughs> Don't give up. You've allowed little things to get into your mind. I want to tell you this. There's nothing wrong with the way you look. There's nothing wrong with the shape of your body. God created you. He gave you that honor that honor him being a temple so right now i want to pray for you 
And I want to present you before God so that you can make this choice. Father, I thank you for every person that is watching me right now, that's listening to me. Father, I thank you for Jesus, who's like Joshua, who brought us into the promised land, who brought us into the kingdom, God. Lord, but in the kingdom, we can make a choice. We can either choose to live or we can choose to die. And your heart's desire in the kingdom, in the new covenant, is that we choose life. And Father, I pray for every single person that is watching, that you are watching them right now, that your eyes are upon this generation right now, Lord. We know that this is the remnant that these people were handpicked by you to watch this this sermon today, God. Lord, you wanted them to, to hear this message so that their lives can be changed, so that you could present this option to them. And Lord, I pray for them, for every single person, that they will choose life and prosperity so that they can live and experience the goodness of God in the land of the living. And Father, I thank you that as people are choosing life right now, their bodies are being healed. As they choose life right now, that organs which were failing are beginning to come to life again. Bank accounts which were dry and dead are beginning to stem up with life again. (laughs) Businesses, that people who have lost hope in businesses, as they choose life right now, God. Lord, I thank you that you are so kind, you are so good, you are so loving, that you would lavish your love upon them right now. And it would bring transformation in their life. Lord, we love you. Lord, we make that choice right now to say that we love you. We love you, Jesus. And I thank you for Life Church Global. I thank you for each and every person that has chosen life. I thank you, God, that while the world is experiencing darkness, we are experiencing the eternal life. We're experiencing prosperity. Thank you, God. That only you are the one who can fulfill your word, your promises. We thank you, Father, that your promises to us are yes and amen. And so I declare that over each and every person that is watching, that every promise that you have given to them came with a yes and an amen. That when they chose life today, that these blessings, these promises would last them for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.